Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome in to Daily Faceoff Live, your go-to source for everything hockey, live every weekday at noon Eastern. Welcome in to a Tuesday edition of Daily Faceoff Live, as always presented by Batano. The game starts now at batano.ca. We are streaming not only on the Daily Faceoff YouTube, Frank, but for the first time on the Daily Faceoff Instagram. So what's up to everybody oh. watching over on Instagram as well? We have new capabilities, exciting times. Frank, you probably haven't gotten off your phone in the last 12 hours. No, it's uh, it's been pretty busy. I'd say the last 18 hours since this trade. I was actually uh, taping a Frankly Speaking podcast with Florida Panthers forward Sam Reinhardt on pace for 60 goals. Not a big deal. And uh, the trade happened and it was like one of those ones. I was like, sorry, Sam. Uh, like when I was like going through like, wait, is this the Flyers official account? Like I know that I'm the insider here, but I just want to make sure that this was real before I retweeted it because Cutter Gauthier, uh, man, lot to lot to get into today. There is a lot to get into today. And if you love trade talk, this is the show for you because Frank got a new trade targets board coming out. We're going to have more on that in a bit. But first, let's talk about the trade that did happen, Frank. The Philadelphia Flyers move on from Cutter Gauthier, and we are in the era of misinformation. So can you, the insider, please tell me what actually happened here? It's really kind of simple when you boil it down. Complex in that the Flyers don't really know why this happened, but Cutter Gauthier let the organization know that he has no interest in playing there and signing there. The number five overall pick from 2022 who Stephen Ellis, our guy at Daily Faceoff, uh, our prospect analyst, has him as the third best prospect in all of hockey coming off of the World Junior Championship, nearly the MVP. The Flyers pulled the trigger on a trade after sending an envoy of GM Danny Briere and president of Hockey Ops Keith Jones to take one last stab in Sweden at sitting down with Gauthier and trying to understand what's happening here. How can we get this back on the rails? We'd love to have you as a prospect in our organization. They couldn't even get a meeting in Sweden. And that was after uh, they had sent some of their prospect or uh, development guys, including John LeClaire, to BC to see Cutter Gauthier play, try and talk to him after the game about the Flyers organization. A message from the coach. Cutter Gauthier is not interested in speaking to you or the Flyers. So crazy situation that's unfolded and the Flyers end up getting back a right shot defenseman who was taken with the sixth overall pick two years earlier than Gauthier. Not quite the same in terms of upside, but we'll get into that in a sec. Yeah, we will. First, just a little bit more on the, I guess you call it animosity between these two sides. John Tortorella speaking after the Flyers lost to the Penguins last night had this to say. You said that Cutter didn't want to play here in Philadelphia and didn't want to play for the Flyers. What's your reaction to that? Then we don't want you. I believe you've met Cutter negotiate before. Were you surprised that he... I don't know Cutter from a hole in a wall. You know, so and I'm not too interested in talking about him. I'd rather talk about Jamie. 
He's the guy that's coming here. So we had that, and then we also had Dan Hilferty make some interesting comments as well. Frank, what do you make of the – Danny Breer had a lot of stuff to say, too. We could go down the list. Keith Jones, like, they all had something to say about it. What do you make of kind of the way this has gone in, in the public? Well, the Flyers are really trying to send a message. One, if you don't want to be here, we don't want you, which was clearly delivered. And two – they're in some ways, I don't want to call it damage control, but this is a fan base that's really angry in the sense that they were not only spurned by a top prospect, but when you consider even the casual hockey fans in Philadelphia had known two names that were supposed to take this rebuild over the top and into the promised land, it was Cutter Gauthier and Matt Vemichkov. And so the fact that one of those guys said, I don't want any part of this, it not only hurts, but they wanted to send that message from chairman and CEO and Dan Hilferty, who essentially is the voice of ownership and also the GM, the president and the coach to all be sort of unified here and in, in making it clear in no uncertain terms. This wasn't something that they screwed up. This was just a case of a prospect who didn't want to play there. And that's his choice. That's his right. We've seen it happen before. We'll see it happen again. I just don't know that we've ever seen it quite play out like this where you have a player who doesn't actually really verbalize or tell you why he doesn't want to be there. There's been lots of speculation. Was it the coach in John Tortorella? Was it the way his potential entry-level contract was handled last spring? I think it's all idle speculation and in the end doesn't necessarily matter one way or the other. The Flyers cut ties. So let's talk about what the Flyers are bringing in here. Not only do they get a second round pick, but they also pick up, obviously, the big piece, Jamie Drysdale, who is a 21-year-old right shot defenseman. He's battled injuries in his career, but if you remember back to junior, the potential is there with this guy. He's got two more years at $2.3 million as well, so it's a nice contract to bring into the mix. And when you look at this year's Flyers team, Frank, it's in a way kind of exactly what they needed, right? Like someone to run the power play, a good young offensive blue liner. Yeah, and Danny Briere said if they were going to trade Cutter Gauthier that they wanted to make it for a premium position and a right shot defenseman who can be your power play quarterback for the next 10 years is certainly a premium position at that. I think part of the issue here for the Flyers is, you know, they they mentioned that the reason they made this trade now is because they felt that his value was at a high coming off of that excellent World Junior Tournament. But in, in Drysdale, they get a guy who... Uh, has dealt with some significant injuries. He missed almost all of last season with a bad shoulder. And then this year he's missed, you know, the bulk of this year as well, the first half of the season um, due to a different and unrelated lower body injury. So that part has sort of played into it. Um, and I think the next question is, you know, what's the ceiling here? Like, yes, the Flyers got um, a guy that they believe they can put in their lineup right away, set and forget for the next decade. Um, but the other part of it is compared to Gauthier, who you have going out the door, to me, Gauthier is going to be a dominant force in the NHL. Nothing is ever a stone cold mortal lock when it comes to projecting prospects. But I think we've seen enough from him to know that he's going to be a pretty special NHL player. And when you talk to people in the scouting world and around the league, pro scouts that have watched Jamie Drysdale really closely, coaches, the thing they say is really good player, but probably at his very best, his ceiling is a number two. And so that's the part that hurts for the Flyers is, you know, you have to move on from this guy, not by your own choice. 
And as excited as you are to get a player back in Drysdale, the ceiling of those two guys may not be the same. Yeah, and our pal Stephen Ellis has a piece up at dailyfaceoff.com. So let's talk a little bit about the Ducks' perspective here, Frank. Because, I mean, Stephen said it, like, if you're the Flyers, you really can't win this trade, but it's about damage control. And I think from that perspective, they did all right. From the Ducks' perspective, Pat, Ver- Pat Verbeek must have just kicked his feet up and been like, holy smokes, I can't believe this guy just fell into my lap. Yeah, and I think the fact that you didn't also have to give up a first-round pick, I know that Drysdale was the sixth overall pick two years earlier than Gauthier, as I mentioned. That's part of the sell, right? Is, hey, you pick this guy at five, we're going to give you number six. Yes, he's two years older, so we'll give you a second as well. The fact that the Ducks have some juicy first-round picks and you know coming up based on where they are in, in the standings, that they didn't have to give one of those up is a huge win. The fact that they got the player with the highest ceiling is a big win. And the fact that they know that he'll sign there is probably the biggest win of all. Look, this didn't happen totally under the, the cloak of darkness. It was certainly outside the public sphere. And, and shame on me for not following up more after Cutter Gauthier didn't go to Flyers development camp back in July. But the Flyers had been negotiating or engaged with somewhere between 18 to 20 teams that they had gotten a sense from his advisor that he would be willing to sign with the ducks being one of those teams uh, for the Arizona kid. And in this case um, they now add him to a prospect pool that is incredibly impressive up front. That includes Leo Carlson, Mason McTavish, like go down the list of the guys that the ducks are going to be able to assimilate into their lineup on top of some of the young defensemen that they have coming in. You can clearly see the path for Pat Verbeek on how to get the Ducks back to being competitive. Yeah, you want to talk about something that makes it possible to part ways with a young piece like Drysdale? Uh, The emergence of Pavel Mintikov. You have Jackson Lacombe, who's been playing meaningful minutes this year. You go to their system. Olin Zellweger was a Team Canada standout not that long ago. Like A lot of really good pieces on that blue line as well. The Ducks system looks absolutely loaded. Frank, we're probably about a year or so away from this. But Cutter Gauthier's first game in Philadelphia is going to be spicy. Yeah, um, I made this joke, and it may not be that much of a joke, but he might want to pack an extra helmet for uh, his first game in Philly. And he can wear that one from when he gets off the bus to walking into the arena. And I'm certainly not joking or wishing any bodily harm on anyone, but I wasn't kidding when I tweeted this last night. Google J.D. Drew and batteries. That's like the story of my youth. J.D. Drew, a similar high draft pick. Philly selected him second overall. He spurned the team, said he's not going to sign there. He goes back into the draft, gets picked in St. Louis. They pay him a massive signing bonus. His first game at the vet in the outfield, they were throwing D-sized batteries at him. Not the double A's, not the triple A's. It was the D's. Yeah, uh, all of a sudden we have a little bit of a rivalry in the NHL. Fascinating stuff. Uh, we'll have a little bit more on the duck side of this as well in our trade target segment. Can, coming I, can up. I say one thing yep. before I, before we wrap this? I think the biggest part that's surprising for me, being a lifelong Philadelphian and covering this league so closely for the last 15 years, never before in my career covering it or even growing up here has anyone ever said I don't want to be part of the Flyers organization and that's the part to me that's the toughest to figure out yes this team lost its way for a few years I think they've been trying to find themselves since Ed Snyder passed but 
this is one of the crown jewel teams in the NHL. Some call it part of the original seven, so to speak, with that first expansion that they were one of the most successful teams in the league, big market spender, top three sports market in the U.S. To say that someone doesn't want to be there, I think, has really caught a lot of people off guard. Well, that was the other side of this is you know, not to throw shade at organizations, but this isn't a young American prospect saying, I don't want to go to Edmonton or Ottawa or Winnipeg or like, I don't want to go north of the border or this isn't even really on the same field as looking at a San Jose and going, okay, they're a decade away from contending. I don't want any part of that. This is a team that is having a great season, has other good prospects there and has a bright future in, like you said, a major market. It's just, it's puzzling to say the least. And a team that spends big money, treats its players like gold. I just, I don't really understand it. Yeah, it's uh, it's puzzling. Uh, let's talk a little bit more, Frank, about or talk a little bit about what we saw on the ice last night. And I mean, the Flyers now still in the thick of this mush in the Eastern Conference wildcard race right now, based on points. They're in that top wildcard spot. But look at that jumble behind them. The Devils, the Caps, the Penguins picked up a win over the Flyers last night. They certainly appear to be back in the mix. And I think right now that might be the dominant storyline of this Eastern wildcard race is the other side of PA, Frank. Pittsburgh seems to have found their way. I think we've all been waiting for that to happen based on talent and also based on some of the underlying metrics. Like you look at goal differential and you look at some of the other things that have popped up for the Penguins this year in a positive way, really outside of their power play, which has found itself a little bit, um, has been when will this team kind of start to match some of the things that we're seeing behind the scenes. And that certainly started to happen. Um, if you sort by points percentage, the standings are even a little bit more different. You see the New Jersey Devils are right there. The Washington Capitals are there. The Flyers have really come back to earth in the last 10 days or two weeks that they are kind of scuffling a little bit and seeming like they may or may not hang on to that wild card spot. Um, it, it's been a crazy mix in the East that I think is only going to get crazier. Yeah, over the last couple of years, by this point, we've almost known the eight teams or eight of the nine teams that are in the in the race. The other team that you don't see on that graphic, Frank, is the Carolina Hurricanes. So the last one I want to get your take on quickly here is they're six, one and three in their last 10. It certainly feels like the Canes after scuffling along for the first six to eight weeks of the season. This is looking like a team that has found their way. Yeah, and goaltending has been such a big part of that. We knew that this team would break through. I think they have the best defense core in the league, top to bottom, uh, from one through seven. And they're a team that has some gifted players up front that they're consistent, they work hard, the work ethic is never a question. Um, they're starting to to figure it out and look out because when they do – I think they're going to be right back in that Stanley Cup contender category that a lot of people had them in to start the year. I, I don't know that they'll quite catch the Rangers for the top spot in the Metro, but it seems like they're kind of on a collision course again in that bracket in the East. And wanted to point out one more thing before we move on. When speaking of the Eastern mush, the team that's sort of lowest on the list, we think with an authentic chance, at least in the standings today, to make the playoffs is the Tampa Bay Lightning, and I don't think anyone's counting them out. No, you uh, can take a look at the board here, 19, 17, and 5. They've lost more games than they've won this year, and I know we're really with the Andre Vasilevsky injury that uh, kind of took some wind out of their sails to begin the season, but he's been back for a while, and the results haven't turned around. 5 and 5 in their last 10, but Frank, 
I also get the sense Tampa Bay and Julian Brisebois probably not one to just sit on his hands and say, well, I hope we squeak in. Yeah, I think the only danger in that is that for the Lightning, Julian Brisebois is so aggressive that they might go the other way. Yeah, that is, uh, that's, man, that would be something. That would be a curveball in trade season that we're not expecting. I've already accepted the fact we're going to go long on today's show. So let's get into fair or foul before we get into our trade targets. It's like drinking out of a fire hose today. And Frank, it's a nice little lead in to our icebreaker segment, which is all about new trade targets. Uh, but the Vancouver Canucks, this is a team that you look and it's okay, Norris front runner. Hart Trophy candidates on that roster. You got the Vesna front runner potentially, and Thatcher Demko, two guys in the top 20 in goals, and JT Miller and Brock Besser. I get the sense that this front office has a bit of an itchy trigger finger. My first fair foul for you the Vancouver Canucks will trade their first round pick in the upcoming draft. Is that fair or foul? Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your Cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. A new year is full of surprises, but one thing is always predictable. Postage costs go up. Stamps.com gives you crazy discounts of up to 89% off USPS and UPS services. So when postage goes up, your business will barely notice the change. Stamps.com is like your own personal post office, wherever you are. You can even take care of orders on the go with the mobile app. No lines, no traffic, no waiting. Schedule package pickups, automatically find the cheapest and fastest shipping options, and seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. There's even a supply store where you can stock up on mailing supplies, labels, even printers. Stamps.com has been indispensable for over 1 million businesses just like yours. All you need is a computer or phone and printer. Take a chunk out of your mailing and shipping costs this year with Stamps.com. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM. For a special offer that includes a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com code program. I think it's fair. I think um, if you have a window, use it. And if the Canucks can find someone, I, I don't think they'd be advocating to get a rental. But if they find someone that has... Uh, some term that would make sense that could be part of multiple runs uh, could fit this team, you know, scheme wise and cap wise. I think why not? Uh, I think the Canucks are, are one or two pieces away from really being in that tight circle of contender teams 
with how well they played this year. And I think this this trip that they're on right now could go a long way in terms of helping define that for Jim Rutherford and Patrick Alvin. And I think one of the real staples and hallmarks of Rutherford's career as a manager has been able to go out and find the missing link pieces that helps put teams over the top. He did it in Pittsburgh a couple of times with Trevor Daly, Ron Hainsey. No one was looking at those guys as uh, season or cup saviors, but he's really good at finding the right mix. And that's a pretty exciting thing if you're a Canucks fan. We'll stay in the Pacific Division news from earlier this week that Phoenix Copley is going to miss the rest of the season for the Los Angeles Kings. Frank, the LA Kings to be the first team to jump in on the goalie market. Fair or foul? Uh, probably foul. I think there's a few teams that might be ahead of them. I'm still not entirely sure what the Toronto Maple Leafs are going to do with their goaltending situation. Really feels to me like New Jersey, who has, you know, is, is back in the race. Not that they were ever really out of it, but just standings wise, like missing the playoffs this year would be a huge fail for that team. Um, and they've got some other issues and, and things to fill, including on defense. But when you've got the cap space to play with from Dougie Hamilton's injury, I would think New Jersey would be one of those teams that steps up. And Cam Talbot's been so good. I don't know. Yeah, they're going to need to spell him at some point. I just, they might make a move for a goalie, but I, I don't think that they would be first on the priority list. All right, let's get into some names that could be popping up on the trade block with this week's edition of Icebreakers. Icebreakers, as always, is delivered by DoorDash for a limited time. Our Canadian listeners can get 25% off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more. All you need to do is download the DoorDash app and use the promo code NATION25. Frank Saravalli, you got your latest trade targets board coming out in the next 24 hours over at dailyfaceoff.com. And there are going to be three new names popping up on that list. The first one is... I'll be honest, probably going to be the attention grabber. The Anaheim Ducks, they add, they get offload Jamie Drysdale, they add Cutter Gauthier, and now you're looking. Mason McTavish, Leo Carlson, you rattled off the names earlier. Um, is there a chance they maybe move one of those young forwards? Yeah, I've got I've... my eyes on Trevor Zegris. In speaking with teams around the league, they suggest that Zegris's name has been out there and in play. And while that may be a bit of a surprise for a guy who was a cover athlete on NHL 23 and has scored some incredible highlight real goals. I think the truth is that I don't know that many people believe that Trevor Zegris meshes with the ultimate view of how Pat Verbeek wants to see the Anaheim Ducks play and their style. And that loss could be someone else's gain. Certainly not saying that anything is imminent, but the fact that Zegris's name has been out there, the fact that they opened training camp this season and they didn't have Trevor Zegris there because this contract dispute was ongoing, which at times I think probably got pretty nasty. He's got two years left on this bridge deal at 5.75 per. He's hit 60 plus points uh, in back-to-back -back years. Um I think there's some question as to whether he truly is a center or a wing in the NHL, but I think another team would be pretty happy to find out what that answer is and, and grab him. So again, not, not predicting or projecting that there's a move before the deadline, but the fact that his name is in play. And now that you add another piece like Gauthier, 
it certainly kind of feels like after Drysdale, another guy who went through a contract dispute this past summer and took a long time to sign, he's gone. Maybe Zegris is next. And I mean, when you look at him too, if you're the Ducks and you go, okay, we love Carlson, we love McTavish, now we love Cutter Gauthier, Zegris two years away from potentially needing a big payday. If you think his star is bigger than his actual impact on the ice, it probably is best to trade him sooner rather than later, right? And find a team that loves him and say, hey, you get this guy two more years at 5.75 because if you're the Ducks and you know you don't want to be the team to give him a big, big contract, probably best to part ways sooner rather than later. Yeah, but it probably would have been really best to do it last summer before the contract dispute, before this season uh, got off to a rocky start with just one goal in his first 12 games to start, before the injury, before all those things kind of, not to say it's spiraled, but this has certainly been a pretty tough start to the season for Trevor Zegers that probably would have been in the Ducks' best interest and his to get a clean start elsewhere. Let's stay in the Pacific Division and talk a little bit more about the Vancouver Canucks. Andre Kuzmenko, kind of in and out of the lineup as of late. Healthy scratched a handful of times this season. He does have two goals in his last five games. The results are slowly starting to come. What's trade interest like in the Canucks winger? Well, this is on the Canucks to figure out internally because so far this year, he, as you mentioned, has been a healthy scratch six times under Rick Tockett. And Kuzmenko has kind of continually violated what Tockett would call his, quote, non-negotiables. Part of it is getting in on the forecheck. The other part of it is uh, back-checking and, and, and effort. And I think that part has driven the Canucks a little bit crazy. Now, he... After that incredible rookie year last year, he was one goal away from 40 goals and 75 points as a rookie his first season in the NHL. And you would think like, oh, this is the perfect guy to have on a relatively good contract this season and next at five and a half million bucks that you think, why wouldn't he be part of the solution? So the Canucks are kind of going through the process here of do we can can we bend and make this work? Can he be a little bit of a square peg in a round hole? Or given what we just talked about with the Canucks and them being a team that is one or two potential moves away from really being a contender that could win the Stanley Cup this year with all the different positional boxes that they check, are they better off taking that five and a half million bucks and offloading him somewhere and using that elsewhere? And so that's sort of what they're deliberating. Teams are calling. I don't think they're in a rush to do anything, but if the right deal presented itself, I wouldn't be shocked at all to see them move on from Andre Kuzmenko. Finally, out east, Frank, the Ottawa Senators. I mean, when we flashed up that wild card graphic, they are nowhere to be seen. Currently sitting by points, dead last in the east. Is that a front office that's maybe itching to do something? Yeah, there's no question that the Sens have been active. I think really the key question that they're trying to deliberate at this exact point in time is, who is going to be the part of our key core moving forward? I don't anticipate them moving out any young players, but one player that's generated a pretty significant amount of interest on the market is Jacob Chikrin. Now, we know that it wasn't all that long ago that he ended up arriving in Ottawa from Arizona, but when you take a look at the left side of their defense, and yes, I know that Chikrin can play on the right side, but he is still a left shooting defenseman, you've got Thomas Shabbat making $8 bucks, and Jake Sanderson making $8.05 million with a deal that kicks in next season. If you throw Chikrin in there on the left side, 
You're talking about north of $20 million a year, nearly $21 million a year on just the left side of your defense. Strikes me as a situation where they probably don't have enough minutes to go around for everyone. And if they've identified Chikrin as someone who they haven't yet, but if they identify Chikrin as someone that is not part of that core moving forward, it makes sense to have and engage in that conversation now and make a move as opposed to, you could do it in the summer as well, but two playoff runs with Jacob Chikrin at a pretty reasonable 4.6 before whatever his next deal kicks in at. He's pretty happy in Ottawa. I think there's been a lot of frustration this year with how uh, this season has gone for everyone with this team carrying up the rear of the Atlantic division. They haven't met expectations and I think they're ready to make some seismic moves. Uh, Chikrin could certainly be one of those guys that is part of that uh, changeover as they try and get to where they want to get to. Kind of put you on the spot with a follow-up, but it was in March of 2023 when the Sens gave up a first, a second, and another conditional second for him. Do you think they could get similar value? I think they could. I think with the way that Chikrin's played to date, uh, I think he's been a lot better than he was in Arizona. I think he's certainly been a lot steadier. Um, I don't see any reason why they couldn't get that type of not just future value, but also maybe a piece that they find more more usable uh, for what they're trying to accomplish. They want some more experience, some vets, some uh, some pros, which Jacob Chikrin is all those things, even at the young age of 24 that he's still at. Uh, but they've got some things to sort out there. That's a wrap on this week's edition of Icebreakers, as always, delivered by DoorDash. It's getting cold outside, Frank, and while I'm all for sweater weather, I'm also one for not leaving the house, and that's why I'm happy DoorDash is here. Restaurants, groceries, and more delivered right to your door with DoorDash. All right, Frank, let's dig into our hashtag AskDFO inbox question. It is brought to you by Tourism Jasper. We got a few here I want to throw your way. They're trade related. Uh, Rangers Central is in and wants to know your take on if the Rangers are going to be in the market for a third line center or what they could be in the mix for ahead of the deadline. Yeah, I think their defense is pretty set. Obviously, they're in great shape with their goaltending with how well Jonathan Quick has played with Shesterkin this year. I think to me, the biggest thing for them is, is filling out that bottom six. They've got an elite unreal power play. Um, I think when you see some guys that have been injured this year, uh, like Scheidel, like uh, Capo Caco, like those are kind of things that stand out to me as opportunities and holes to fill. Maybe when they come back uh, eventually at some point, if, if a Scheidel does that, uh, they're going to be in better shape, but um, for now, that certainly sticks out as a pretty big gap. Sergeant Battle saw the viral Yaroslav Askarov celebration the other day. He gets the shutout, slams the net down behind him. He wants to know if Nashville's holding on to Soros long-term, could Askarov be available? So I was told back at the draft in Nashville that as the Preds were trying to make a splash in front of their hometown fans. Barry Trotz, his first uh, draft as GM, that Askarov was in play then because their idea is to keep Soros long-term. Um, I think there would certainly be a number of teams that would be interested in a pedigreed goalie like Askarov, who I think the big question for him has been maturity. Um, he's played and put up great numbers in Milwaukee. 
Uh, you see his sort of, you know, start to his NHL career, some pretty good numbers there too. Um, it'd be a fascinating piece and doesn't really make a whole lot of sense, even in today's two goalie world, to have two goalies as good as Saros and Askarov in one crease. We had one more in here from Riley who says he's loving my hoodie, Frank, and he wants to know where the common folk can get daily face-off oh. merch, nationgear.ca. We got hoodies, hats, and T-shirts up for sale now over at Nation Gear. Uh, let's move along to our daily bets. I missed horribly on the under between Vancouver and New York, but I did hit my shot prop parlay. I needed two from Truba. He got seven. I needed two from Faber. He got four, so we crushed it. Got the plus money payouts. We were up money last night. Tonight, just one play for me, and it is a parlay between the Leafs and the Oilers. Toronto at home taking on the San Jose Sharks. I think Toronto is going to be able to get the offense rolling here against San Jose. The puck line price, not good enough for me to play it alone. So I'm going to play it with Edmonton's puck line at minus one and a half, minus 167. Not great. That Blackhawks team, once again, looking like they're going to dress a forward group that costs under $15 million per season. And Edmonton, winners of seven straight, should be able to keep the ball rolling. So a little puck line parlay, Frank. You think either one of those two big favorites is going to screw me over tonight? Uh, no, I'm liking the puck line plays. That Blackhawks situation is so amazing. Just head on over to our friends at Cap Friendly. 13 forwards, 14 forwards, 15 million bucks. It's, you know, Jason Dickinson, the cap dump from Vancouver, is the highest paid forward in the lineup tonight for the Blackhawks. Pretty crazy. Garbage time is brought to you by Wendy's in the Daily Faceoff Survivor game. Did you move on? Nope, I lost. No goal from Nathan McKinnon last night. Frank, see you later. You're out. Oh, man, I uh, I happened to move on. The Vancouver Canucks did not get over one and a half power play goals. So like 78% of the field I am on to today. And the one I'm going with, it sounds weird. Sam Reinhart under half an assist, Frank. He's having an unbelievable season. He only has two assists in his last 10 games. He's been a goal machine, not an apple machine. So I think only like 3% of the fields on it. Give me Reinhart under half an assist i'll give you my garbage time for the day frank oh sorry go ahead do you have something no, i was Reinhardt? just gonna say i talked to reinhardt last night for an edition of frankly speaking that's coming out tomorrow so check on that it's like how does it feel to be a guy on pace for 60 goals pretty probably pretty unreal feeling i'm gonna give a shout out to someone who uh, grew up playing minor hockey right here in my backyard of st albert alberta matt murray of the dallas stars 25 years old making just his fourth career nhl start what does he do 23 save shutout of the Minnesota Wild, Frank. So it's a little selfish, but he's from my backyard, so I had to give him some love. Big shout-out to the other Matt Murray, the one not on LTIR for the Leafs, the young one who picked up his first career shutout. Love that. Uh, been to St. Albert. Uh, that's actually where I went to Wendy's to get a barbecue bacon cheeseburger when that was one of our weekly prizes on the Daily Faceoff Survivor game. Uh, but uh, tough night. In net, though, for Mark Andre Fleury on the other side of that, looking for that one win to get him to 552, which would pass Patrick Waugh and leave him alone in second all time on the NHL's wins list. Garbage time brought to you by Wendy's. You know the stats, shots on goal, GAA, PPG, but now you know BPMM. Frank, the Wendy's bacon portobello mushroom melt is back and only for a limited time. You can get it by downloading the Wendy's app and having Wendy's for lunch and or trying to stay alive in the daily face-off survivor pool. Uh, that is a wrap on today's show. There are a lot of you over in that YouTube and on the Instagram, which means there's a lot of you who are watching the first time. Guess what? We do this same thing every single weekday at noon Eastern time. So that's a wrap on today's show brought to you by Botano, and we will be back tomorrow. Chat with you then. 
Thanks for tuning in to Daily Face Off Live. Make sure you hit the subscribe button to never miss an episode.